Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Hi, Makiba. Hi, Jared. How are you? I am doing so well. Thank you for squeezing me in. I know you've been busy traveling and everything. Is, oh my are you all settled in? Are you okay? Everything's good. I tried to catch up on your cheer chat. Thanks for a little shout out and love all the insight. I'm glad you had a great time. Oh man, of course I had to mention our awesome brunch and I'm so glad we did that. Now I feel like we're definitely, you know, besties <laughs> that just already knew each other. I mean, I already felt that, but even... Being able to see you just I know because we can talk forever so at least we can get the podcast the meat of it but you know we're gonna be talking a lot afterwards and everything too we just have to find like another time to see each other and I'm excited for this season too because we're mentioning just traveling to different places like I want to go see Blazers and me and Simone we're talking about that and we just love supporting everybody you know (laughs) yeah I'm serious I still love my little tours and so if I'm in the bay I'm definitely hitting you up and if you go to games maybe we can map it out and we can be there at the same time because that would be no please yeah we got this (laughs) we'll be in touch beyond this I know that for a fact but yeah I'm very good at not kicking off my own show. So before I have to do some (laughs) editing and smooth things around, I I would officially welcome you, Geraldine, to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is like such a special treat for me to continue our conversations that we've had offline (laughs) and make it official in this episode. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Makiba. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm super excited and I just want to dive into it. I'm like, I where do we start? And I know I'm a chatty chatty, so let's just get into it. You ready? All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Geraldine just finished her year with the Las Vegas Golden Knights for the NHL mm-hmm. team in Vegas. Super excited to talk to you about that because we've only yeah. had, I think, one other NHL dancer on the podcast. Um, okay. Other, I forget, it's like ECHL, one of the like minor league systems with the Portland Winterhawks but so I love yeah. talking about hockey because it's just so cool mm-hmm. um you also dance for the 49ers yes. um day and the San Jose Sabercats so you mm-hmm. have like a lot of experience in different leagues for different teams mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we're gonna get into all of that and then your resume is just like stacked with so many things had no idea you were just doing the most acting <laughs> modeling like um so I do have questions about that too so we'll pepper those in but Let's start with your background. Like, so did you grow up in the Bay Area? Like, talk to me about your dance journey. When did you kick off, like, the start to become a cheerleader professionally? Awesome. Thank you for that great intro. I'm an educator. I am a school teacher. That's my job, my career. I made a little outline, (laughs) but I will try to... (laughs) Keep it. Girl, you're going to scribble so far outside the line, so do not feel like you have to stick to anything. Oh, man. I mean, we were already kind of mentioning about how this podcast really reaches a great audience. And 
myself listening to it, I feel so connected. And I want to speak to those dancers out there who are auditioning, who may have a similar background, may have similar struggles. And we're all in this together. So just want to put that out there. Yes, yes, yes. I did grow up in the Bay Area. I am 100% Filipino. And there's a large Filipino community here. I'm in a suburb of San Francisco. My parents migrated from the Philippines and their values were just really working hard, education first, living the American dream. My mom was a nurse. She actually wanted me to become a nurse. My dad worked in the airlines, uh, maintenance and fixing airplanes. And I ended up doing all my college education here in the Bay Area and received my master's in education. So I knew... I'm here in America. I got to work hard. I was born here, but my parents were born in the Philippines Mm -hmm. and I wanted to make my family proud. Yes, I danced, but not with the idea of it's going to become a career, you know, like I'm dancing for fun. Also, my parents not growing up here, they didn't really understand like you can actually make a career out of it or they put me in community class dances, recreational dance, you know, which was great. And I remember as a fourth grader, I enrolled myself into the after school dance program because I was like, I like dance, but I was never part of a studio, you know, which sometimes I kind of regret. And I'm like, man, those girls have all that technique. And I just loved to dance. My era was Spice Girls. (laughs) And just to put it out there too, I am 34 years old. So I grew up in the 80s. And thank God I'm still dancing today. My early dance life was not like, strict at all um if anything the closest structured dance like classes and whatnot was color guard have you heard of that I have heard of that <laughs> I think there was um I want to say it was Bridget that was on the show oh I think she actually uh, did color guard and the only reason I even knew what that was before she mentioned it was a friend of mine her daughter did it uh-huh. um, but I just want to say really quick that like the importance yeah. of community dance programs. Because yes. Just the proaction, I was talking to Oscar um, Hernandez and he was teaching free classes in New Mexico. Yeah. And he was just saying, it was just heartbreaking seeing the kids like staring through the window and wishing they could come in. And then he would right. come out and say, come take class. And the parents would be like, mm. no, we don't have enough money. And he's like, it's free. And just oh. like lines down the blocks. I mean, but it's just so oh important. Gosh. That that I'm try pulling on my heartstrings over here. Yeah, like, I mean, I didn't have it growing up. That's why I was yes. in the studio. And, you know, it is a big barrier to people to be mm-hmm. able to their kids to the arts um, unless it's through a community program so I love that you signed yourself up and and, you know because a lot of kids naturally gravitate towards the arts I think you know they kind of get steered towards other sports just depending Mm -hmm. on like resources and whatnot so I just wanted to acknowledge that that I love that you did get your start in community-based program yeah and you know you gotta start somewhere (laughs) so I was really shy as a kid too and I started coming out of my shell joining leadership and joining color guard in middle school and that was what all the cool kids did so I said I want to do that um yes we twirled flags and sabers and different you know artistic flags and you know we had different props it was really cool but it was focused on modern dance and contemporary and jazz so that was a great foundation and that really did teach me discipline and we had a winter season and a marching band season, like a fall season. So I, we were with the marching band and I was thankful that my high school was a really 
well-known established high school and we won a lot of great awards and we got a chance to travel. So without the opportunity of dance in school, I don't know if I would be dancing today. So really thankful for that. And there was even dance class in my high school. There was a dance program. So instead of PE, we got to do color guard and we got to do dance. So I'm super grateful for my high school dance teacher, Julie Cervantes Mori. Like that's where I learned really the basics of jazz technique and all that great stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, age, I guess, just because I love that you mentioned that, I so relate because I started my pro dance career in my mm-hmm. 30s, 33. Mm-hmm. So what age were you at when I guess you started training in that way for pro? Great question. Well, for the Bay Area teams, you need to be 18 years old to audition. And when I was in high school, I volunteered with the Alameda County Food Bank to collect cans at a 49er game. This is when the 49ers were at Candlestick Park in San Francisco, where it's really cold over there. And I just remember bundled up like with our big bin collecting cans. And that was my very first game. So in return of volunteering your time, you know, we got tickets to the Niner game. It was so exciting. I look out on the field and I see these gorgeous women and I'm like, wow, cheerleaders, I want to do that, you know? And I knew about the 49ers. I grew up watching Joe Montana, Steve Young. You know, my family was a big 49er fan. Mm -hmm. And um, I finally got to go to a game and see these beautiful women. And not only were they just so poised and beautiful costume, but they're talented. They were like all together. And I was like, I want to be that. So when I turned 18, that's when I first auditioned for not only 49ers, but for Warriors. And I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> that's quite all right. That's yeah. I don't think anybody that I've interviewed over the past four years has been like, I researched, I knew exactly what to do, and I showed up and killed it. Some people make it on their first try, but people do not ever like the best to know what they were doing when they walk into that first audition. You don't know what to expect, I think, until you're in there. Right. It's very intimidating. I dragged my cousin. She's like my best friend, Jamie. And she has some dance background. You know, we both kind of dance in high school. Like, you're coming with me and you're going to wait for me and I'm going to wait for you, whatever happens. So we, I think we both made it past like the first cut. And then it was good to see what an audition was like. Then the following year, I was like, there's a prep class. And these saved me. Like every year I went to the 49ers prep classes. And during this time too, I would audition for NFL and then NBA. So 49ers, Warriors. And I started at 18 and I made my first team at 23 when the San Jose Sabercats were around. It was AFL, so arena football. And that was considered semi-pro. And I didn't see it coming. I was like, so happy when I made it. I mean, what made you decide to go out for them as well? Was it a new team? Because I know some of the semi-pro teams, like they they show up, they disappear, uh-huh. go out of business. Yes. Closes down. I mean, yes. was it a new team in the area? Uh-huh. So the ASL was around. And I did remember seeing San Jose Saber Kittens. That's what they're called. And billboards. I'm like, ooh, there's, there's dancers. And... There was like a year of hiatus. I don't know if it was a whole AFL or it was just the Sabre Cats. So when they came back, it was a brand new team. Like they started from zero, which is great because they picked about um, 16 of us and we were all brand new. So it was nice because we were starting on the same level. And my friend, uh, we were in a contemporary dance company together. So I did continue dance classes in college. 
And um, at Ohlone College, it was a wonderful contemporary dance company where we dance about women's rights. And, and it was it was beautiful. I love contemporary. That's like my like my jam. She's so expressive. So she um, told me about it. And um, turns out she made it as an alternate. We're not sure why. She was an amazing dancer. And I made the team and I felt horrible because I went with her. So she ended up turning down the position as an alternate. She's like, I really want to dance, you know, full time on a team. She ended up making Raiderettes like shortly after. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I'm super happy that she had her own pathway. And I did Sabercats in 2011. Amazing experience. All the women were just so uplifting. I looked up to one female that I'm still friends with now. Her name is Noriko. She was from Japan and she told me I'm 34. And now it's so crazy because I'm in that place and I'm looking at her 23 like, wow, I want to be like you when I'm 34. You look amazing. And in my head at early 20s, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, 30s, it's so old, right? And now I'm yeah. in my 30s. I'm like, it's not that old. 30s not that old. 20. <laughs> we can still dance. Okay. Favorite <laughs> <laughs> cats is yeah, it was an amazing experience. Sydney and Michelle LaHeron, they were 49er Gold Rush cheerleaders in the 80s. They went to the Super Bowl. So they were amazing role models and coaches at the time as well. Oh, well, how cool is that? And just to reflect, because mm-hmm. I don't know the full age range of like people who listen to the podcast, but it is yeah. funny to think about just your perspective at various yeah. points in your life. And you're so right. In your 20s, you're like, all I think you think about in your 20s is like 30 is this big <laughs> year and, and like, you know, milestone, but you still view the 30s as so far out there and yeah. like kind of old when you're in your 20s. Yeah. Like, you know, it's weird, but once you get there, you're like, oh no, there's still a lot of stuff left in the That's tank. That's getting started, Makiba. <laughs> wait a minute, I'm still fly. Like, wait a minute, maybe I don't have to embrace this old thing yet. Um, mm-hmm. It's so funny when you think about like, how you viewed, you know, the 30s in your 20s. But everybody who's listening, if you're in your 20s, you will see what we're talking about. I've got a lot of life ahead of you guys. <laughs> Don't be okay. Makiba, like while I was on Saber Kittens, I really learned the true meaning of sisterhood because mm-hmm. I was going through a really rough time. My dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness. He had liver cancer and mm-hmm. I was trying to focus on the team, being on this new team, this new style, you know, to be honest, because I was kind of modern, contemporary. This is jazz, really close to studio jazz, which I wasn't too familiar with. Um, I just became a teacher. I was teaching pre-K, like transitional kindergarten. Um, Yeah, I was, I was also in my master's program there. And then my dad was sick and I was in the hospital in and out and my teammates pulled together for me. Since there was an alternate, which is a good friend of mine too, and she ended up going on to the Warriors and doing amazing things too, she was able to learn my spot and perform for me. And then my teammates were just always really supportive. Even my coaches were trying to get my dad to come, you know, watch a game while he could. It was televised. So like even with my family in town, they were mm-hmm. able to see me on TV. And oh, I'm sorry, I don't get emotional. You know, like my dad like got to see me perform and live out my dream. And like, you know, the last things he would say before he passed he was always so supportive and I felt like horrible. I was like heading out the house, like 
going to my photo shoot and I'm just like, dad, are you okay? You know, I was really like one of like my dad's main caregivers and it, it really is hard losing a parent like at such a young age. I felt like I had to grow up quickly and I had to be there for my mom and my family. And I do have one brother and he was just so happy for me to see me live my dream. And, and yeah, you're right at the end of your life, whatever happened in your life happened. And as long as you're happy, he just kept telling me like, do what makes you happy. And that's what like my family is now. You know? <laughs> Sorry, did you? <laughs> and like, so my teammates just always checked up on me. You know, they were never hard on me if I missed a practice or, you know, if I couldn't make it to a game. And when I did go to a game, like they were, they were so like uplifting and I loved coming to practice because it was a way to express myself and my coaches were there. They would send me flowers, my family flowers. They would send my family like edible arrangements and everything. And I just like didn't expect this like unpouring like love from my teammates. And yeah. I was like, wow, these girls are like freaking here for me, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the reality of so much, like mm-hmm. how life sometimes happens at yeah. my year in the NFL was a really rough yeah. year for me. We all spared everybody yeah. the story. But when you have that kind of support from your teammates, or just it makes me almost want to say now that it's like the last couple episodes, it's like, what yeah. are words of wisdom can I give? But, you know, I would say for, you know, people who are on teams, mm-hmm. you know, the importance of sisterhood and being mm-hmm. that sister that is supportive, because I think sometimes it shows up in a weird way. Like maybe the person is new on the team and they are quiet. They haven't said anything. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're struggling. Like they come Ah. to practice and they're not prepared. And I know that sometimes vets are kind of like, get your together. Like, Mm -hmm. or there's like a, maybe a lack of understanding of what's going on with that person, but sometimes could be kicking someone's butt. So at least lead with like checking in on people to see if they're okay or if they need help. Because, yeah, I mean, my rookie year, I struggled a lot. And it was just because mm-hmm. a lot of stress. I, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And when life is going on around you, when you're trying to, like, live your dream, I almost quit, Geraldine. Like, wow. when I think back at where I was at and how close I was to quitting, mm-hmm. because there was just so much going on. And I didn't wow. feel like I was, I didn't know that I was being a good teammate by just mm-hmm. continuing to struggle. It's like they're getting ready. And I knew I wasn't mm-hmm. at my best. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? But I love hearing, you know, your experience of having a team that instead of like, what's up with the new girl or, you know what I mean? Like the attitude, well, you are all new as part of that. Right, year. right, that year. Yeah, yeah. You know, instead of having like just that kind of reaction to somebody, you know, missing practice or going right. to things more of let's rally behind this person and mm-hmm. let them know here. Like that means, all, that means a lot. And that stays with you for sure. Oh, that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you still are friends with a lot of them probably to this day. I am. And it's amazing because a lot of us started on Saber Kittens and then we branched off to Warriors, to Kings, to Niners, to Raiders. And and that's how I still am so close with a lot of women that we've cheered together at one point or even danced together. And in the South Bay in San Jose, there was a dance studio that we all just kind of came together, whatever team we're on. And we took dance classes Friday nights. Jessica Sanchez, she would run it. And I loved it because some people think, oh, are you guys, you know, like, ooh, Raiderettes and Gold Rush, are you guys like enemies? We're like, no, we're actually really good friends. (laughs) You know, we we probably all danced together at one point or we were on a team together or we just were in it together because we know the struggle. And it's, it's true, like what you're saying, just be kind to everybody because you never know what 
somebody's going through. Well, this is interesting yeah. that you also mentioned that about the Bay Area, because maybe uh-huh. that was a flavor that Brittany and I were picking up on. And this was so early on in the podcast. And we would love going down to Oakland. Like, we yeah. wanted to go to class by Aisha Francis. And then, yes. like, we like the flavor down here. But uh-huh. it just seemed like over time, as we were starting to, like, follow the space more, that there was. But it just seemed like you guys all ran in the same circle, so to speak. And I didn't know right. how spread out the Bay Area is, but I love hearing that you guys kind of like dance together. Like that would be so cool if it were like the different teams in the area, mm-hmm. everybody kind of going to the same studio to take classes and continue. Like that would be so fun because there's not a lot of other opportunities to interact with other teams unless your coaches mm-hmm. kind of create them. I mean, the world is different now. It's like social media, right. everybody connects and stuff, but I kind of picked that up a little bit that there was like, you guys kind of had more of a... Um, we have like a little camaraderie. Yeah, we have a little girl gang. Yeah. Okay. I love that. The time before Raiders left, it was Raiders, which is in the East Bay, Oakland, San Leandro. The 49ers, which when they moved to Levi Stadium, is South Bay and a little bit of East Bay, depending at what when we practiced. And then we had the Sacramento Kings, which was way further north. We had some girls commute, which can be up to an hour and a half, two hours. I know the Sabercats was also in the South Bay, but... For the most part, 30, 45 minute drive. And we really leaned on each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me think too when I went down there thinking like on my little tour last year. Yeah. I think I picked a weekend where I thought I was going to do Kings game, uh-huh. a Warriors game, uh-huh. and a game all like, not like in one weekend, maybe yeah. one game on a Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Had no idea how far, number one, the, 49, oh, yes, yes, yes. the 49er Stadium was. When we were like plotting how we were going to get there, Brittany, yeah. and I, like this is so much more involved. Like, I thought when they moved, they moved into the city. I had no concept. Oh, it's, it's a little trek. Yeah. Oh, yes. And then at the time, Warriors and Raiders were in the same area as well. But now the Warriors are in San Francisco, but they practice yeah. East Bay. So we just got to make sure we got reliable transportation over here. <laughs> Exactly. We made it happen. I think I had to drop the Sacramento Kings game. I was like, that's not yeah, going to work. Yeah. But even like you said, being that spread apart, the fact that you guys had a little central hub of dancing together and taking classes yeah. in your spare time is really cool. Mm-hmm. I got close to making Warriors. I made finals the year before I um, made Gold Rush, but I actually only did Saber Cats for one year. It was a pretty rough year for me and I actually injured my knee. So I had a knee injury like through a ski accident and I thought my knee was totally fine. I was young and resilient. I partially mm-hmm. torn my ACL and MCL during the ski accident, thought it was totally fine. Dance on it. There's just a repetitive motion. I think it just, I just re-injured it, but I still kept dancing. So I was done with Saber Cats for a year because I wanted to finish grad school. I wanted to get my knee better. I was focusing on teaching and, but just continue to dance while I could. So I made it to finals for Warriors, um, didn't make it all the way. But after that, you never know what opportunities come. Um, Shauna Childs and Patricia Yates, who you interviewed. Yes, Patricia, they, um, <laughs> yeah, they took the emails from the finalists. And Sabrina, you know, like reached out to us like, hey, Shauna and Patricia, like wanted to create like a little dance team. It was almost like a little training. They called it Vanity Dance Team. Little training session, little peek into dance and this little group of us, like 10 or so, and we all made it to Warrior Final. So we were close. That taught me a lot. Shauna was a great mentor. 
And I was like, Shauna, I can't make practice. It wasn't official. It wasn't for any sports or anything. And I was like, I have work. And then I, I transitioned, crazy enough, working for Apple. We're here in Silicon Valley. A cousin who worked for Apple, he's like, you'd be great at it. It was Apple retail. And so I was working weekends. And Shauna had all this dance stuff going on. And I know I was a part of this little dance team, but I was like, I can't make practice. I can't. You want me to perform when? What? You know? And I was kind of all over the place. And then Shauna was like, look, like, just told me straight up. If you really want to be on a team, you have to have a job that's flexible. You have to make time for it, you know, and it's hard when you're in your early 20s trying to figure out your life, trying to figure out your career path, trying to figure out everything. And I was like, oh, you're right. I should go back to teaching because it's a pretty easy, you know, like 8 a.m. to maybe 3 p.m. and practice usually evenings and I'm off on the weekends. So I did go back to teaching. I was kind of back and forth. And I kept auditioning for Gold Rush in the meantime. And I really learned like the dedication it took to be on a team. And yes, I, you know, did do the Saber Cats, but this was like getting real now. I was really auditioning for Pro. I was really like into it and I wanted to get my knee better. So I did two knee surgeries, an ACL reconstruction and a meniscectomy. And I was actually stronger than ever after the surgery. And my doctor said, you don't need to do your surgery. You're young. You'll be fine. You know, maybe it'll just bother you in the future. But I was like, no, I need to dance. I want the surgery. I want to be even better than before. <laughs> so I was, yeah. you were able to get mm-hmm. that level. I mean, these injuries are hard, especially when you keep dancing on them. I yes. Mean, you know. Yes. I was really willing to do anything there was even so I live near Stanford the big hospital and school and I was even willing to do a PRP it's like a platelet injection of like big basketball players do it but where the tear was at in my ACL it wasn't possible so I was like okay I'll do the surgery and and I did have and that's when I realized like wow I really cannot take dance for granted I'm over here recovering doing physical therapy and I was like I just miss dance so much and one year I auditioned for the 49ers before I made it. And then somebody liked me on the interview panel, like, wow, this girl is a teacher. She used to work for Apple. She would be great on our technology side. Levi Stadium is opening up. It's the most technological advanced stadium. We need a representative to support the application development. It was like the first stadium that did food delivery. We had like a Levi Stadium app. Yeah, and we need like a face of cool stadium. It kicked all stadiums, but like we're walking through like this is actually like it's actually really really good. Best best NFL stadium. I mean, not that I've been to very many, but right, right, right. Cool stadium, definitely. So the inaugural year, I didn't make the team, but you never know what opportunities come up. They hired me as a, they call it a nine nerd. It was an app experience specialist. And I was on this panel of men. I was the only female representing. I was, you know, like a, I felt like a little nerd, but it was cool because I did have background in tech. So I worked for Apple. I did have background in education. So I was yeah. teaching guests how to use the app. I was talking to the news stations and people would interview us about how Levi Stadium is really advanced and it was a great experience. I worked for Levi Stadium before I became a cheerleader. Is that not like being an ambassador and all of the things, like everything that they're talking about of like representing the brand, interacting Mm -hmm. with fans, Mm -hmm. doing press, like that's huge. It was huge. So while I was sad, I I couldn't be in the, you know, the beautiful outfit and I saw my friends make the team. I was like, you know, 
you do good in an interview, you never know who's who's watching you. You who's never know what you. other job opportunities somebody could see fit for you. Yeah. I'm and in the following year, I made the team as the cheerleader. And then all my Niners and my, like, everyone who worked for the stadium was, like, so happy for me, too. They were like, oh, my gosh, you were a Niner, and now you're a cheerleader. <laughs> it was it was you amazing. able to use that in the interview when you auditioned for that following year, the fact that you – I mean, if I were you and I was like auditioning when the interview process came up, like just to be able to speak to like your familiarity with the stadium uh-huh. and that, like I would have snuck yeah. that in there too. If it was I could. a great talking point. And then yes. they saw my resume, how I do have a master's in education. I specialize in educational technology leadership. I am a female in Silicon Valley where there's not a lot of females in the tech mm-hmm. industry. So I yeah. felt like I was paving the way. I was like, yes, like, yes, women power. You know, what an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think it's important to just reflect too. When you are in your 20s, I'll just say Mm -hmm. this, and you have to kind of like earn your keep to have that flexibility that you would eventually need to be on a team. And so when you make a team or you're trying out for teams in your 20s before you've established that, you know, what's the word? Cachet, so to speak. Okay. would you have any like different advice, I guess? Do you see things, you know, going a little differently if people focus on their careers first and then pursue pro cheer? Like, would you recommend that? You know, everybody has their own journey, but I'm just trying to see if you would rather have kind of mm-hmm. been more established with your career. Because I think when you're starting off, yeah. you are expected to give your life a little bit yeah. or a lot of it, frankly, to these companies to establish your career. Maybe they're getting better. These younger generations are like, to hell with you. I have right. a life. I love it. I live for it. I think it's amazing. But I was just curious what your mm-hmm. insight was on whether it would be better to devote that time early on to your career. Not that you have to wait, but and then yeah. kind of pursue futures so that you can juggle it. Because if you're doing the juggling while you're trying to build your career, it can be a little bit of a hot mess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love how you asked that. Yeah. Because I know my family valued education and it was important to me to complete my degree and then have a job and then be on a team. So my mom can't really say anything like, excuse me, you need to finish school first. You know, I'm like, mom, I'm, I got a job already, you know, and I'm dancing, I'm doing it all. But it was definitely challenging. Teaching was great because I was able to kind of leave and come back if I needed to. At times I did substitute teach. So I was able to still kind of dance. It was flexible. And then I've had had friends who were in college dancing. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. You're not even working yet. You're just taking classes and you can take like a lighter load and then focus on dance. Mm -hmm. So there was, I definitely see both sides to it. I personally, I'm glad that I was able to finish education, get my job, And then, so I always have something to fall back on. Yeah. And and then it gave me a lot of experience. But then I see my friends who are doing amazing now. And they did put cheer and dance first. They did kind of maybe didn't finish college in four years, maybe six years. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think I did finish college, especially getting my master's and a little bit longer than the typical way. But yeah, I had to let go of the idea of, there's a certain way of doing things. You have to finish college in four years or you have to focus on this person. You know, everybody's path is different. And if I knew when I was younger, I got my whole life, you know, there's time. I think I put so much pressure on myself. I have to do this in this amount of time. And, oh, I only can be a pro cheerleader before 25. Like, that's not true, you know? So whatever works 
best for you, whatever you value the most, you know, or is happening. And Hey, what if I was like, man, I wish I trained more in dance when I was younger and I could have been really good off the bat. And because I'm not like naturally the best dancer, it took me that time, you know, to grow. And then finally making the team, the 49ers gold rush at 27 years old. I think I auditioned six or seven times. I I lost count already. (laughs) And I, you know, it, it happened for a reason and I needed that time to grow as a dancer and as a person too, for a reason. I think it always works out timing wise, even if it doesn't feel like it, especially audition season and dreams are being made, not nightmares, but some people unfortunately aren't seeing things come together in the timing that they want to. But just that perspective of life, like you said, life does move forward and it's not, it's not the end of the road and kind of like get those notions out of your mind that things have to happen by a certain time or just this year, even like, you could be missing out on some amazing chance to travel mm-hmm. abroad or something that some opportunity that you never knew would come your way that you maybe wouldn't have been able to do if you did make the team. So just stay mm-hmm. open-minded to what what that path might look like. So tell me about your rookie yeah. year then with the 49ers. I mean, <gasps> my rookie year is awesome. Yeah, my dream team. I mean, growing up being such a huge 49er fan and living my dream on that field. And then the year prior, watching the girls it's like I want to be there so bad you know and then being on the field having the best seat in the house all all my teammates were amazing one thing I have long hair now but Mm -hmm. they asked me to chop it off (laughs) and it was a little traumatizing (laughs) but when you're on a team you have to go with what look they want to give you I was like going the little Mulan look you know like the straight kind of short hair like chin like above my shoulder but it was really easy to style surprisingly I wore it straight it was just straight and short it was longer than a bob but I learned a lot you know I learned how to do my makeup I learned how to manage my time and actually surprisingly we we talk about career I was working full-time as a teacher and then I regretted it because I was so tired. Like it was hard to work full-time as a teacher, even grade papers. I was teaching like third grade. I grade papers after and then do report cards. And then I didn't, I didn't have time to practice and work out. I was up really late practicing at home in front of my mirror. And then in the Bay Area, it was a little hard to get to my other girls, you know, 30 minute drive, like our schedules. We only practice on Gold Rush once a week, every Saturday, a long day on Saturday. So I told myself the next team I'm on or the next year I'm on a pro team, I'm actually mm-hmm. going to focus on my pro team and I'm going to put my career to the side for a little bit just so I can truly live in that moment. Mm, and that's what I did too. <laughs> I'm glad that we're getting that in there yeah. because I think you do have to sometimes to make some judgment calls yeah. and prioritize either yourself, sometimes it might be a relationship, sometimes mm-hmm. it could be your job. But sometimes you do have to kind of say like, okay, this is what's really, really important to me. Or, and now I sound contradictory. Like, it's yeah, that's- <laughs> but when you are making these teams and you get on these teams, you do have to maximize the hell out of that moment because you don't know exactly you know, that you audition if you'll get that time again. So yes, in terms of soaking up the moment, you do have to kind of make space for it and mm-hmm. whatever that you because you don't want to look back and like you know, based on everything that was on your plate, you didn't mm-hmm. do a lot of experiences or you kind of missed out on certain opportunities right. because of how much you were juggling because sometimes you don't get that time back. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go back to your haircut though. Because, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, this is truth behind the palms. And yeah. I know that makeovers happen. And uh-huh. You know, you have to pretend to love them. How did you feel? Did you cry or were you okay? I you feel know, like the have a thing with bobs. Is that true? Like, I feel like there's a so few many- of the girls had shorter hair. Okay. Um, there wasn't another full Filipino girl on the team, so I didn't look like anyone. So I'm not sure why exactly, but um, after that, I worked really hard growing my hair out. And right now, I'm, I'm proud to say, too, I have extensions. And so I really like my hair long now, if, if I had a preference. <laughs> but I got over it, and I just knew, okay, that's what's best for the team. And just going a little sidetracked off of look, all of these years in my early 20s, your body's changing. You're going through a lot of stress. You're going through a lot of life changes. I actually struggled. I know I'm, I'm tiny. I'm five feet tall like 105, 110 pounds, but I actually did struggle with weight and limage. And I mm. took, it took a lot of different things, trying different things, whether it be a different fad diet or a different workout routine or whatnot. But I think what really helped me was a specific trainer or coach. I was able to kind of hone in on what I need to do. Every body and everybody is different. Right. So even on Gold Rush, I was a little sad. Now I look back because I was stressing about image and weight and look. Now, you know, years later after I kind of figured it out, now I know kind of how to balance working out and eating. And it is true, abs are made in the kitchen, you know, but yet like it's all a balancing act. The biggest takeaway is like ask for help. And there are people who specialize in how to help you. And so if there is a one part that you are struggling on, whether it's like your look or fitness or anything, like there's people out there to help you, you know? It's so much better than it used to be. Like it's yeah. like the mystery. I feel like back in my day when I also struggled, I didn't really know how to go about finding the help. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can get a trainer, but when you're trying to explain to them what it is that you do or what you're going for, or you're not getting a lot of clear feedback from your director of what they just point to a body part or they used to yeah. and say, like, do something about that. But like, you didn't really have, at least I didn't know how to go about researching to get the help that I needed. I didn't right. think of it even from like a holistic perspective of like, I was just trying one thing at a time and it wouldn't, you know, sometimes it would work and then it would fall off and then I'm off to trying. It was a lot of just yeah. trial and error and yeah. yeah. I know it's so much better. With the yeah. Research. Most recently I was counting macros, which did work, but it's, it's hard. It takes a lot. And now I just noticed with my body, um, I think just with the consistent workouts, I, consistency is like key in anything, portion control, but I do treat myself, you know, because when you do stress too much, that affects your body as well. And like speaking on coaches, I, I did do one year of gold rush, and I, I think we'll come back to this. I didn't make it back another year. So I auditioned. Mm. I didn't make it back. And then, but I found myself in a beautiful program called SEMA Wear, mm. uh, where Simone Miller, she was on this podcast. She was looking for brand ambassadors for her new um, company, which was an audition outfit at the time. And mm. I applied and she wanted former pro cheerleaders in a I was really sad not making it going into my veteran year of gold rush. And so this was a great outlet. And then it turned into a training program and I was able to help dancers. So even though I only did one year on gold rush, there was a lot of blessings that came after that. 
and yeah, yeah that that is a story in itself <laughs> I know I'm like looking at the time like no yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. sorry we didn't uh, even NFL. <laughs> well I mean I'm glad to hear just mm-hmm. these nuggets along the journey because I know sometimes yeah. even when I ask that question I love how people answer it because it ends yeah. up being like this little zigzag, but you made your dream team. And some, you know, yeah. for people who do get that one season, like I didn't make it back after my rookie year either. Mm. Thankfully I was able to make it back and then have like a little, little run for a minute, uh-huh. but like, it's still something to definitely cherish. Like I know some, it stings really hard, but I'm glad that you did have, you know, a wonderful season. What did you end up doing after Seamware? I mean, you know, I know the timeline, you don't have to go year after year, yeah. but like, yeah. yeah. What led you to try out for the Golden Knights? Because that's in Vegas and you were kind of yeah. in the day. me. How did you pick out that team and go about preparing and everything? It was, it was such a journey. And going into just a quick tidbit of auditioning for my second year on Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. The year prior, I don't think they cut vets. So I actually wasn't worried. And I was like, oh, they're not going to cut vets. Oh, that was my big mistake. Now I go into every audition, no matter how much experience I have. And I'm like, do not ever think that you got it in the bag. Do not ever think, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So when I make this team, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I don't even say that because, <laughs> you know, that just scares me. And yeah, you really have to work hard. So I didn't make it back on the team and I asked for feedback and it was just, the numbers didn't add up. So basically you have to be your best self. You know, you have to score high in all categories, interview and dance. And I feel like in everything, I feel like I could have done better. You know, there's always room for growth. And um, I was really sad. I was really depressed that year after I was able to take advantage of traveling and, you know, focusing on other things and SEMA, but I was determined to make a pro team, any team. So after that, I auditioned for any and every team. I was like, I'm moving wherever, you know? Really? Um, okay. And I was still auditioning for Warriors too. Um, Sabrina's a great, great coach. And she really did Indeed. give me great feedback as well. And I really worked hard, speaking skills, interview, dance. Let's see. I don't know if we should just fast forward to pandemic year where it was all virtual. I was auditioning for everything and everything, you know? But before we go there, were you doing all those types of auditions before pandemic year two, where you were traveling around to different auditions? Wow. Yes, I I think people take uh it a little for granted or forget what it was like pre-pandemic with this whole virtual stuff. When people would spend the money and and invest the Mm -hmm. time, I think I interviewed Nicole that ended up doing the the hockey team as well. But like, she mapped out like the places that she was willing to travel Mm -hmm. to go through our auditions process and Trust me, with all these little tours and conventions and whatnot, that stuff adds up. And like, yes. it says a lot about your level of effort and dedication to actually go physically in person to these yeah. new cities to engage in this these new audition processes mm-hmm. that you don't, they don't give you as much of like a, um, or back then, I would say every year, it's more and more of a glimpse into what their audition process is like. They share a lot more on social media, on their websites, mm-hmm. et cetera. But like going blind, traveling to a new city, paying for a hotel, Figuring it all out, the travel stress yeah. on top of the actual audition stress, like I said, just says a lot. So, I mean, yeah. for people who are so used to virtual land, don't forget that this used to be an in-person <laughs> commitment. Um, going there and then just getting cut even before the first, you know, only across the floor. So I auditioned for Clippers a few times and Lakers a few times and I got close to Lakers. I feel like my, my jazz 
Rush's background and NFL and Gold Rush's uh, a lot of like big movements. I'm not mm-hmm. the best in hip hop, but I'm working on it, you know, like real intricate movements. So that um, kind of aligned with me. But yes, yeah, so I did travel. I'm in California, so I did travel to um, LA for that. Um, I was in a relationship that did move me to Las Vegas. And um, I'm no longer in that relationship. And it was really sad because towards the end of the relationship, I wasn't as supported as I wish I was. Um, He was supportive in the beginning. We ended up getting married and, you know, marriage sometimes changed people and expectations. And I made Utah Jazz Finals. I made Detroit Pistons semis. And I was given an ultimatum. I'm really sad to say this. He is a really good person, but, you know, everybody goes through their things. And he was like, you leave for Utah. I'm filing for divorce next week. And I said, okay, I think I need to choose me. And, you know, and then in this whole game of life, I really had to put myself first and continue living my passion and continue what my dad says about just do what makes you happy. And I had to just keep, like following my heart and what makes me happy. And, you know, I'm thankful for that relationship. And I was brought to Vegas and which funny, I mean, I was living in Vegas for six years. Now I'm back in the Bay area. So I'm talking to you as I'm, I'm in the Bay area right now. But mm-hmm. um, while I was in Las Vegas, I auditioned for the golden Knights among all the other virtual auditions. Oh, and I didn't make it to um, Utah. Amazing experience. They're a great team. And I did, I booked my flight to Detroit but I didn't even get to go to that audition because I already made the nights. The nights. So, okay. Yes. <laughs> well, well, number one, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, not to sound like I'm your mama, but I'm proud yeah. that you did choose you. Thank you. It's relationships. And we were talking about this, like, girl, after we had brunch, like I ended up yeah. playing that love, like, I want to be your lover episode. Yes, oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that episode being so good like it was so mm-hmm. long of an episode but it goes by so fast when you're listening mm-hmm. to it because we covered the love topic mm-hmm. like so in depth like the mm-hmm. different types of relationships that you would be in when they're supportive what it's like when they're not supportive mm-hmm. and really in listening back at the episode I was like everything that we were all saying because it was Brittany Lindsay Rosenberg and I like yeah I love it's, it. it's it's all about like the love that you have of yourself and like yes how that shows up in the relationships that you're in and I'm just love that you loved yourself enough yes. to say like I what I want and my passion is important and if mm-hmm. it comes down to an ultimatum I'm choosing me that's a yeah. bold to make and especially when you love somebody that's not an easy one to make right I mean it's the right one to make in my opinion just I'm just glad that you did otherwise you'll be resentful Mm -hmm. ruin the relationship anyway even if you didn't try to kind of make that other person happy versus making yourself happy and I was really surprised myself after I kind of let go of that part of my life I was really able to flourish and received a lot of opportunities in the film and commercial world. I am currently in a reality TV show. You can find me on HBO Max, Finding Magic Mike. And questions about that. That is written down. um, I was hired on as a dancer on that show. It was an amazing opportunity. I have been a part of a few commercials, PF Chang's. I was a part of two game shows. I 
dabbled in modeling, different print modeling, and I was a hair model. I mean, there was a lot of opportunities in Vegas. And because I didn't have anything holding me back, I just went for it. And when everything opened up during the pandemic, and and then everybody you get to know, and even through the dance world, through the acting and modeling world, like, people really are there to help you and support you and want you to grow. And I'm really happy I got to live that life. And I still try to do what I can here and there. I, and I, I represent a lot of different agencies, but I'm more of an independent contractor and freelancer. So, you know, when those opportunities come along, I grab it. And, and I'm really happy I was able to be on the nights. I was able to, we call it gig, you know, do different gigs. Gig, I yeah. did take a break from teaching because I taught virtually. I taught a second and third grade combo class virtually during the pandemic. It was very, very difficult. And I said, Ooh, I don't know what it's going to be like teaching these kids in person with masks and, and all the COVID protocols. I'm going to take a break. And it just happened. I was able to dance that year and I didn't teach full time. And I was able to focus on a, being a Vegas Viva for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Wow. Yeah. Well, see, this is why I knew I would love talking to you because like <laughs> everything, even though we're trying to like squeeze it all in, I like, know. It, all we'll like, get it, in there. it all ends up like connecting, mm-hmm. like what you gathered from each experience to where you made a pro team again after putting yourself out there auditioning mm-hmm. and, and just again, everybody who auditions, I don't care how many times, like it is just yeah. such a commendable act because it takes yeah. so much guts, time, energy, effort to do that. Like, it's to do it for multiple teams. Like, it's a lot. And then when you land your team and then you have the space to be able to enjoy the experience and dropping, not dead weight, I don't want to speak on the guy like that, but just nothing was holding you back, like you said. Mm -hmm. And you were able to to thrive. And that's usually what happens, you know? Like, you pick yourself and you bet on yourself and you Mm -hmm. don't go wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. Since you mentioned it, you know I gotta get all up in it. Ask me. Tell me. Well, first, I mean, I looked at your resume, and Mm -hmm. you guys, like, it reminds me of my episode. Um, dang it, I think it's just literally called Move, but I've mentioned Mm -hmm. it so many different times. Mm -hmm. But with Kayla, but she kind of walked through like how to take your pro experience um, Mm -hmm. and have that translate to a resume where you can actually do commercial work. And I was just looking at yours, and I was like, this is exactly what she was talking about, like. Yes, you are a model if you've done photo shoots, your mm-hmm. glamour type, your swimsuit calendar type mm-hmm. situation. Your resume really pulls in all of the amazing experience that you got from dancing professionally on teams. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you've done so many different things. But what you cannot miss from your beautiful resume is your photo. Oh, I know you took that photo. Yes. I want to hear about your experience uh, shooting with Lindsay. I feel like her man she that's just like the winning mm-hmm. ticket to kind of like be on your way for all those opportunities to come but mm-hmm. tell me about your shoot with Lindsay Lindsay Rosenberg I love you so much <laughs> and I'm not just saying this I shot with her after I didn't make it back on the team and it was like okay this is going to be a fresh start so ever since 2016 I feel like if I go a year without shooting with Lindsay i I feel like I'm missing a part of me. <laughs> and you know, our look changes every year. And yeah. Lindsay believed in me. She just gave me all these little pep talks, along with all her amazing makeup artists, Jade and Lark. I really commend oh, her. I worked with guys. Lark. Oh my God. Like, oh. And there, she's an amazing dancer as well. She's and, a shit. 
sorry, yeah. excuse me, Laura yeah. is like so badass. Her yeah. classes when she does decide to teach, she's man, listen. I don't know if people are sleeping on who she is, but to get your makeup done by her, it's like uh, it's like Beyonce touching you. Like, whoa, like you I, are really Yeah, crazy. I feel like Lindsay and Lark like sprinkle this magic on you, right? <laughs> like amazing things happen after you <laughs> shoot with them. And real really did believe in me. And even though I didn't make a team right away, um, so it was the gap was 2016, I didn't make it, and then it was 2021 when I made my next pro team so between that whole gap of I was a coach in SEMA I was doing meditation I was helping with interview I mean it really helped me find my purpose and I felt so fulfilled like helping others and then you know I was dabbling in all the other little things but Lindsay's photos I feel like really helped me book so many gigs it just stood out and I'm so grateful for her. So finally, when I got to come back to her and say, Lindsay, I made it, you know, like, I mean, she's like, I knew you would. I'm like, oh, my God. but Lindsay, like, really, like you believed in me. And, you know, like they see something in you. Sometimes you don't always see in yourself. And, yeah. and they I will forever cherish those photos forever. Like what she sees, mm-hmm. she knows how to bring it out and have it yes. show up in a photo. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm still on a Lindsay high because I got to see yes. her in Vegas. I did, did see her from action. Her, you know, taking photos. On the, yeah, I saw her too. I, I love it. You guys, I forgot to mention it during mm-hmm. my freaking recap of ProAction. Yes, Lindsay literally will like lay, f- man, I, I'm trying to do a demonstration, y'all. <laughs> when she is taking photos, this is serious mm-hmm. business. I watched this woman basically lay down flat as a board, like she was on a surfboard or something. Yeah. Like at this <laughs> angle, parallel to the floor, like getting shots. Like, and I was sitting crisscross applesauce during the whole showcase, yeah. sore and dying because yes. it's just like, your body's like stuck in these positions. But here I am watching her mm-hmm. like doing all these interesting poses to mm-hmm. get things. She's so ridiculously talented. And I call her like my fairy godmother. Like yes, I feel like just our life, yes. like with the podcast. And like she's just so much more than a photographer. Yeah. I mean, obviously her resume is, is insane, but mm-hmm. just like said, as a person and what she sees in people mm-hmm. and just the little nuggets that she shares. Cause I mean, if you book with her, it's not just like she's telling you how to model and pose for these photos. Like She's so observant and so um, perceptive in terms of just what your goals are. You know, she talks to you yeah. in the beginning, like, but well, you, like, you really listen so mm-hmm. much from, because she is listening and she's trying to help your dreams come true. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't get me started yeah. on her, but we your photo at... is beautiful. Oh, like she, your yeah. with her beautiful. She took our 49er photos, the photos that they put announced when we made the team and she took our calendar shoot and everything. So that's when I was like, I love you. I need more photos from you. <laughs> it's literally like the excuse to spend time with her. I was supposed to yeah. book with her in July and I had to cancel my trip. And I was like, I feel like it's almost like a birthday present to myself. Like, oh, you just it's a treat. Like, yes. Doing it every year would be like a huge treat. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying that like the photos and the booking kind of started oh, to come to 100%. And yeah. nail, man, she knows how to nail it. And she knows mm-hmm. the it is that you're trying to do whether it's like getting an agent or yeah. the certain types of gigs like what to mm-hmm. go for she's great she's yeah really great but yes and so I do have to ask you about this magic mic show stuff because uh-huh. <laughs> now I'm gonna go watch it but mm-hmm. tell me about the 
experience? Like, what is it like showing up in a different capacity as an actress? Dancing and acting is similar. You you know, you're in front of a camera, you're putting on a performance, um, you're showing your best self. And quick tidbit, my friend who's a makeup artist told me about it. And I just applied. I applied as an extra. I got really close to the casting agent. And and then that's when she hired me as a dancer. So that's why you never know who you meet. You never know who you're going to talk to, um, who can help you get into these things, right? And it was really fun because we got to watch Magic Mike. If nobody knows about it, they are a male stripper show in Vegas. We got to watch Magic Mike shows and they paid us to do it. (laughs) And scream and yell and throw fake money. And it was the best job ever. (laughs) I mean, what am I doing with my life? Can I I be that extra? Yes. Did you get called up on stage? You know how they like bring in people from the audience? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we did different little pool scenes, which not all scenes made on the show. But, you know, I am really good friends with these guys now with the contestants. And they are such sweethearts. And especially... They picked a lot of non-dancers, you know, to see their transformation. Oh, okay. And they really, like, appreciate us as dancers, and we were helping them. We did a scene on a rooftop, and it was, like, a Grease theme where we were, like, watching an old-school drive-in movie theater, and we did a lot of partner dancing, did a lot of lifts. That was the dance scene, and we were taught by Allison Falk. She's an amazing choreographer in L.A. She works, obviously, with Channing Tatum, and she recently um, choreographed for a movie, and she's amazing. If you ever get a chance to take a class from her? And, yeah, we learned to dance. Everything was filmed. We had to be mic'd, so I was a little bit of a love interest and they would pick up um, some audio and that that was really funny and cute to look back at it because me and my friend who are dancers like we weren't fighting over that guy you know but then they made it look like oh gosh (laughs) a little bit of reality drama yes and then the producers do kind of whisper in your ear to kind of do something but um it was pretty real for the most part. You know, we we're all just out there having fun. And it's a great show. It's only seven episodes. So if you get a chance to watch it, um, go for I'm it. And then we're, or if you go to Vegas and watch the real show, and they are doing a tour in Miami and Nashville. So and I, these dancers are amazing dancers, very well trained. And dancers would appreciate real dancers on stage, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So oh, go yeah. out to watch <laughs> That's what I think is so awesome. Not that I'm like a male strip club mm-hmm. or anything, but like even with female strip clubs, Brittany, mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, has taken me more <laughs> than my wouldn't have been my choice, but but it's an art and it's dance yes. and it takes strength and coordination and you end up appreciating it as just any other art form. And yes. so don't be scared of the fact that it's, you know, a strip team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're dancing. <laughs> you did NFL you did mm-hmm. AFL yeah how would you compare I guess like your game day performances in a hockey game compared yeah. to like to NFL like is it enough dancing is it too much I know I was shocked to learn that there were so many games in an NHL season mm-hmm. so it's more like NBA so talk to me about like kind of the similarities and differences and how you enjoyed that experience with the Vegas Knights 
Yes, NHL was completely different from NFL. NFL went so quick. It was only 10 home games. And I'm like, what? It's over already. <laughs> and I, yeah. you know, I wanted more. And I wanted to really grow as a dancer. And I was like, I want to be a part of an audition for an NBA team or NHL team. I know not a lot of NHL team have dance teams. The Vegas Golden Knights is very new to Vegas. They were the the first sports team in 2017. They started with a promo team. So girls had palms. And then year four was when the pandemic hit, but they were moving more into a dance team. So they did have dances, but it was weird because there was no audience during pandemic time. And so they were dancing in a castle. I actually did audition for the Vegas Vivas, didn't make it, auditioned again for season five, made it, and they went to pro action that year. So we learned pro action dances. So NHL has over 40 home games, not including playoffs. Turns out we did not go to playoffs this year, but we have a lot of games. (laughs) And I'm really grateful for that because it kept me busy. It kept me dancing. We did have practices every Sunday, but best believe me and my girls, we got together and we practiced at my house, at the gym, you know, anytime we could. It was tough. I was the first one to get COVID um, in end of September and I was not at the first practices. So I was learning through Zoom and then later on in the year, the girls got COVID like maybe seven at a time. We were kind of rotating. And then it was difficult because there was like bare bones. Like they try to have about 20 girls per game, but we were like at 16. There's about 24 girls on the team this year, this past recent year, they picked 28 because they realized we do need to rotate a little more. So we did have games off. We were able to request off this year. They did have to pause to or reschedule two games because of COVID So it was still a weird year. And I really am hoping for the girls this year that they're going to have a little bit more of a normal year. But we did dance um, Mm -hmm. a lot and learned a lot of dances over over 20. I'm sure because we had about 40 home games and we did repeat dances as well. Wow. And how many performances did we get per game? Like, is there like a pregame performance? Is there or just kind of quarter breaks? Like, how was the game entertainment structured? Yeah, great question. There was not only the Vegas Vivas, which are the cheerleaders. We have an ice crew. They do not dance, but they do have palms, and they're with us pregame, which I'll get to. We do have drum bots, which um, the Knights, the drummers, they have a little drum line. Uh, The Knights Guard is the ice crew, and then we have the bells, the beautiful showgirls, tall showgirls with the feathers. And so we share the stage, the pregame stage, with the drummers and the bells and then the vivas so we rotate the pregame stage so there's um a stage in front of t-mobile arena um, and prior to that little stage time we have a march which i always look forward to and that was my favorite part we're like about to go on a march we start at new york new york inside the hotel and then we hear the drummers and i just feel that like bass in my heart and then you know we do little cheers as we're marching like a little parade around New York, around outside like we go a little bit on the strip and then we end up in the plaza of t-mobile arena and then and then we end up on the stage and then so if it's our turn to do the little stage performance then the the next game the drum bots will do it. the next game after that the bells will do it so we do have a little bit of a break then another rotation inside the arena we have a little castle and a stage up top now that 
castle stage can only fit so many of us, like 10. So we do rotate that stage as well. And we change formations um, and we have to adjust to that little stage up top. And then we are split up into two groups, a lower bowl and an upper bowl. And we are dancing in the in the aisles, like where the stairs, you know, where you walk down to go to your seat. Yeah. yeah. So we're dancing there. We run down each aisle. Oh, we get lots of cardio stairmaster, like for sure. You know, we do a few like sidelines, I guess you could call it, or little shorter dances, you know, during breaks mm-hmm. and whatnot. And then we run back up and run down the next set of stairs and up and down and up and down. And we meet fans wow. on the plaza or, you know, and the um, concourse. And it's a very involved game. And we are up close and personal with the fans. Little girls and boys sit with us on the stairs. We give them our palms and they dance with us. And it's oh, super cool. cute. That's a lot of interaction. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because I know with COVID, like you said, there sounds like so many different adjustments. Lord mm-hmm. goodness, like how people got through that year having to be so flexible and not like mm-hmm. rolling your eyes and having an attitude. <laughs> it's like, cause things would change probably at the drop of a dime. Yeah. But I do remember seeing different teams kind of like in the stands or on little platforms that mm-hmm. they need for them. And you're in this smaller space at the top of like the aisles where there's like that little area where the little yeah. tunnel is where, you're, where they have the, the aisle numbers and seeing people mm-hmm. dancing there. And so I'm sure it was probably quite an adjustment. How do you not be in everybody's way who's going to and from the concession stand as you're trying to like dance on the, that's interesting. That they yes. Hockey is more that. strict. They do not allow people go to go down the aisles when the uh, puck is in play and they have a oh. um, usher at the front, you know, stopping people, but oh. you do get pretty up close and personal. You do sit on the stairs, which can have popcorn on it, can have spilled drinks on it, you know, so you gotta be <laughs> mindful. Mm-hmm. We do not go on the ice. The only time is if we're in this, it's pretty cool. It's a battle wagon, they call it. It's, it's like a Zamboni and then they're on and you kind of ride in it. But I mean, we go on the ice to take photos. <laughs> um, our shoes are just regular shoes. Unlike the amazing Rosebuds, I give it up to them because yes. their NHL team that dances on the ice, I do not know how they do it. I personally do not interview them. If people yes. want to know oh, it's the ice baby episode, but yeah, yes. they're amazing. They killed it at Pro Action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, dancing on ice. I don't shoes. think we would get. I don't think we'd get to that point anytime soon. But I really give it up to them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah. we dance on the ground. It's <laughs> nice. Got you. This is mm-hmm. so interesting. I love hearing about the hockey experience because it is so different in the game mm-hmm. itself. I mean, again, like how many games they have and just how electric that crowd is. I haven't been to an NHL game, but just going to the, see the Rosebuds, I've been calling them the Winterhawks this whole time. That's their team, not oh, the name of the, the the actual dancers, my bad girls. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's such a different game day atmosphere. So mm-hmm. hearing like Fine. how they use the dancers is really, really interesting. I forget how it just, it just didn't work out timing wise to be able to go see. Oh, we're, we're going this season. We yeah. can't, we're going. Okay, let's let's, let's energy, do it. I mean, Vegas Golden Knights fans are hardcore, like Golden Knights fans. And if you've seen, you know, people bang on the, the plexiglass and everything, and it gets really exciting. So I'm proud to say that the Vegas Golden Knights won the entertainment award out of all the NHL teams. We uh, pride ourselves on, you know, I mean, we're like inter- entertainment capital of the world. How could we not, right? Yes, so yes. Pre-game, we even have a light show on the ice. We got a lot of cool, like, oh, you know, with a fog machine and uh, the pyro. Uh, we have a lot going on. We have a knight, because that's our mascot. 
even like doing a little sword fight on the ice and chance oh, wow. he's a gear monster he's our uh, mascot and he's really like involved with us too he does some of our dances so <laughs> so I love it we're like one big happy family I love all the girls on our team and you know our extended family too we call it ourselves um, and we're on Instagram VGK cast because it's not just the dancers it's we're a whole cast <laughs> wow let me make sure I'm following that. Yes. Thank you for calling that out so people can kind of yeah. check it out. Yeah. So living in Vegas, you know, I was dancing with the Golden Knights and I would gig and I would pick up different dance gigs and different modeling acting gigs. So it was great. But to be fully honest, the income isn't consistent. And being mm-hmm. on a team, we all know we don't do it for the money and we weren't getting as much. And I wasn't working full time as a teacher you know, I just got divorced. I was on my own. I was, I was trying to just make it work. But I was like, you know, I'd rather be poor and happy and living my dream. And I'm like, I'll get back to it. I'll be okay. So I ended up doing one year with the Golden Knights. And mm-hmm. when I decided I, I need to get back to stability and consistency, thank God I still have my teaching credential in both Nevada and California. Mm-hmm. I got a job. Towards the end of the school year, I was a long-term substitute in a PE position back in the Bay Area. And it, the cost of living is really cheap to live in Vegas. I love Vegas. Highly recommend anyone living there. But um, income isn't as much. So being yeah. a teacher in Vegas was half of what I would make in the Bay Area. But again, ha- Bay Area income <laughs> or cost of living. Cost of living. Double. So my rent doubled, but then my paycheck doubled. You know, or my <laughs> and then in Vegas. But I also wanted to move back to the Bay Area. I mean, just huge transition after divorce and being with friends and family and then getting myself back situated with my job. I'm still dancing. I'm still training. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if I'm done yet. You know, it's it's always hard to say. I'm going to hope and pray for whatever next season comes. It's it's kind of, I'm like, oh, I'm talking to you on this podcast, but I'm not done yet. I don't know what's next, but you know, sometimes you don't know what's next. (laughs) <laughs> that is the beauty of life. And I won't even put that pressure on you to ask you that question. I love yeah. how open you are, Gerilyn, and I love just hearing your journey thus far. Mm-hmm. I'm psyched that you are in your 30s and doing it and just yes. having like, it's like life experience to really value the moments that you're in yeah. and cherishing them and understanding the different levers that you might have to push or pull at different times to be able yes. to like, number one, stay by what you are guided by, which mm-hmm. is father's advice of like yeah. being happy and I just think that that's such a fulfilling way to kind of move through life and the different challenges that you experience and and all while staying open and that's not easy to do but I love your light I guess that's what I'm trying to say and just yes. it makes me so happy that you made time to be part of this before I'm putting the uh, podcast down I when yeah. we were sitting and having brunch I was like I need this episode to be with you for you yeah. know because the last three year app I'm like no we gotta switch things around we gotta figure oh, this out yes I really appreciate you thank you so I mean like I said we don't have to define what's next but I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what's next for you I'm definitely you hitting you up when I do any little tour going anywhere oh, yeah. see what you're doing oh I'm um, gonna be your travel buddy let's go <laughs> yeah, yeah we have the barrier which you're coming here we gotta do yes. Oregon we gotta um, Vegas for sure I mean there's a lot of games so we're making yes. it happen. <laughs> yeah, that's happening that's happening yeah I just wish you all the best thank and you everything that you do keep shining your light for so many people like you just you make me smile and beam mm-hmm. 
The last thing I want to ask you about anything. Is like, Tahitian dance is on your okay. resume. Have you bust that out for finals anywhere or in the auditions process? Mm-hmm. I have, I have. I I learned Tahitian dance when I was in the Barrier, and then moving to Vegas, I was a part of two different Tahitian dance schools, so I got to continue it. And it's a beautiful culture, a beautiful art form, and I did get to bust it out when I was in Warriors finals, and most recently, I was thankful enough to make top fifty in the Raiderette finals, um, the most recent audition, and I did uh, pull out Tahitian and. With Raiderette finals, we were able to change um, outfits. So I had the full-on costume. And I was really happy to just bring awareness to the Polynesian culture. And it makes me really happy. And it is something that I can do for life, you know? <laughs> and, um, so I'm excited to start dancing again here back in the Bay Area at my original Tijan dance school that I that I trained in. Yeah, so it's been over <laughs> 10 years that I've been training on and off in, in Tijan and Pula is different, but um, I hope to train more intensely in that as well. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I love it. Well, I think now that I really think about some of the photos that I, that had to be you then. You know, sometimes I'll do yeah. photos and it's too far away to see what's going on. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and quick like tidbit when, so You Think You Can Dance um, was here in Oakland. I did uh, start with Tahitian and I made it to the choreography round. Um, so Tijan has got me a lot of places and it's very unique and I'm so grateful for it. Yes. <laughs> I definitely continue to uh, plan to train and um, just do it for life because it is just a culture and a lifestyle and you have your Tijan sisters, you got your cheer sisters. I, I, I feel so supported. I feel so loved. You know, I feel so blessed that I, I have all these opportunities and, and it's all about just like you said, following your passion, your path, doing what makes you happy and choosing you. And it's okay to be selfish and don't always put so much pressure on yourself. Like having a timeline, I got to do this by a certain time because you, you are in control, you know? (laughs) Selfish. I love that. When I was listening back to that love episode with, Mm -hmm. um, it was something I was like, dang, I actually sounded like profound on accident. P.S. Oh. Go back and listen to old episodes. I'm so embarrassed. It was such a potty mouth. Like every other word was a curse word. I don't know what my problem was. I'm so sorry in advance. You're passionate. Now, it's okay. I know. Clearly, I had a whole bunch of curse words that were bottled up that were just popping out every time I turned around. But I did say something like, I gave myself permission. Like I signed my own permission slip. It was like, I wasn't looking for it to be okay with anybody that I was doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like whoever that might've been. And it's just being selfish, but in a, it's the good kind of selfish to put yourself first. And I think it opens up so many doors and just your story is proof of that too. Like when you put yourself first, you, Mm -hmm. you can't go wrong when you bet on yourself and you're willing to work hard and you, are just doing all the right things to just improve mm-hmm. and grow as a person. It, it all comes together. It all, yeah. it always comes. Well, I cannot wait to see you again. I'm giving Thank you me. such a big hug. Yeah, big um, virtual hug. Virtual <laughs> hug. Seriously. And we'll be in touch. I feel like you're in my life now. So Yes, you're stuck with me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sherilyn, for your time. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for listening to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at Pro Cheerleading Podcast on Instagram, at Pro Cheer Podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on YouTube, 
and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines.